This is our second last message in our series on the life of Joseph. And we've journeyed with Joseph for quite a while now, right from the start where he was sold into slavery by his brothers when he was 17 years of life. Just imagine if, you, if that happened to you. Just the feelings that you would be processing. He was a victim of cruelty and malice. He had every reason to feel abused and betrayed. He could have easily spent the rest of his life full of bitterness, recalling the horror of what happened to him. But then he rose to become the Prime Minister of Egypt. And years later, his brothers came to Egypt because there was a famine in Canaan. They came to Egypt looking for food. And they realized that Joseph, his dreams had come to fruition. All those claims he made when he was a little boy were true. This was Joseph's opportunity to set the record straight, to take revenge, to make them suffer. You know, one of the most difficult things in life is to be falsely accused and wrongfully treated. Joseph could easily have proven that he'd been right all along and made his brothers beg for mercy. But early on, earlier on, Joseph had made a decision to forgive his brothers. It tells us in Genesis 39 verses 2 and 3 that the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph prospered in everything that he did. Real blessing and the presence of the Lord don't occur in the hearts and lives of people who harbour unforgiveness. All of us have to deal with hurtful relationships in life. When things go wrong, when people turn nasty. And Joseph was now faced with his brothers. A few years after they arrived, they went back and brought their father, their elderly father, Jacob, to live in Egypt with them. And Jacob died there in Egypt. But after Jacob, Joseph's father, had died, Joseph's brothers sent messengers to Joseph saying in Genesis 50 verses 16 and 17, they said, before our father died, he told us to ask you, please forgive the crime your brothers committed when they wronged you. Now please forgive us for the wrong that we the servants of your father's God have done. Joseph cried when he received this message. This is the first time that the word forgive appears in the Bible. And the Hebrew word here means to pardon, to fully release, to forget. That's exactly what Jesus did when he lifted all of our sins off us. On the cross, Jesus forgave us and took the weight and the guilt of our sin 
upon himself. He didn't take just a part of it or just help us to carry our sin. He took all of our sin. And so when we forgive other people, we're not to hold on to anything that they've done against us. That's the way God forgives. Can you release those people who have wounded you? But you know, this message that we've just read that came from Joseph's brothers, it's full of manipulation. Jacob never sent that message. Joseph's brothers were afraid that Joseph was going to take revenge on them. And so in verse 15, the earlier verse at the bottom of the slide, they said to each other, Father is dead. Maybe Joseph is going to repay us now. They were scared. Joseph was prime minister. He had all power at his disposal. He could have thrown his brothers into prison for the rest of their lives. And so now they're trying to make Joseph believe that this was their beloved father's dying wish. You know, it's a lot easier to forgive someone who's wronged us when they actually admit that they were wrong. When they come to us in brokenness and humility and say, look, I'm really sorry. I don't know why I did that. I said something hurtful that I didn't really mean. Please forgive me. It's really easy to forgive someone when they admit that they've done wrong and they come to you and ask for it, for forgiveness. And in fact, in the Christian life, we are a forgiving people. And if you have done wrong, the best way to deal with the situation and bring healing is to repent and fess up and say, I got it wrong. Because as believers, we are quick to forgive and to receive and to restore. So, this whole test of forgiveness, it's something that we have to do even when people haven't repented. That's the difficult part. Forgiving someone who doesn't even realize that they've done something wrong. This doesn't mean to say that we still have to trust those people. But, and we don't have to ever allow them to abuse us in that same way again. Years ago, a brilliant doctor by the name of S.I. McMillan wrote a best-selling book. And it was titled, None of These Diseases. And in this book, he pointed out how destructive negative emotions such as bitterness can consume and injure a person, both emotionally and physically. This is what he wrote. He says, The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body and I become tired after only a few hours of work. The man I hate hounds me everywhere I go. 
I can't escape his grasp on my mind. The man I hate may be many miles from my bedroom, but crueler than any slave driver, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my mattress becomes a rack of torture. The lowliest of the servants can sleep, but not I. I must acknowledge the fact that I am a slave to every man on whom I pour the vials of my anger. Some of you can relate to that. You can be so hurt, you can be so upset that you don't sleep at night. Your default pattern becomes this person who has harmed you, who has wronged you, and you can't stop thinking about what he's done. And you're looking for the opportunity to prove yourself and to tell him that you were right and that he was wrong. But true forgiveness releases the wrongdoer from the punishment that they deserve. And that's the way that God forgives us. Every one of us have sinned against God and we deserve eternal separation from God. But when God forgives our sins, he releases us from the punishment that we deserve. But when we refuse to forgive others, we place ourselves in that position of God. God is the only one who has the right to hold anything against anyone because he knows everything. He alone is able to objectively judge any situation. You know, sometimes we think we're right when we're wrong. God knows the full picture. He sees everything. So Joseph's response to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 19 was, don't be afraid of me, for am I in the place of God? Joseph is saying, who am I to judge your actions at that time? I was proud way back then, and you didn't like me for it. I was my, favorite, my father's favourite son. He did look after me better than he did you guys. In Hebrews 12 verse 15, it warns us not to step out of the grace of God. Let's read the whole verse. It says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Interesting, it's not just us that we affect, it's others. A bitter root, when we harbour unforgiveness and bitterness, it will ultimately affect lots of people. Now a root usually grows underground. To get rid of it, we have to go after it, to find it and to destroy it. Destroy it. Years ago, we lived in a house that had a swimming pool and it had an overflow drain. And little things like leaves and twigs could get washed down that drain. But one day, that drain got completely blocked. And so we had to go and try and find the blockage. And eventually, we found that it was blocked by a tennis ball. 
that had got washed down the drain. After we removed the tennis ball, all the stuff that had backed up behind it, the twigs and the leaves, they all got sucked away as well. And one thing I've noticed over the years is that there are two main things that cause blockages in people's lives. The first is unforgiveness, bitterness. And even in Christian ministry, we have to guard our relationships with people all the time because Satan attacks us in this area of relationship. And if I want to walk in the Spirit and I want to have the blessing of God on my life and my ministry, I cannot afford to harbour bitterness or unforgiveness. And so I constantly find myself in situations that can be awkward and I have to negotiate those relationships. And if things do turn sour, I've got to make sure that I'm not harbouring unforgiveness or bitterness. Because to minister, you have to minister out of overflow. But if I'm all blocked up and I'm not hearing anything from God, then I've got nothing to feed you guys with. And so that's really important. The second main thing that causes a blockage is actually unrepentance. That means that I am deliberately doing something that I know is wrong in my life. God said, look, this is wrong. I don't want you doing this. And he gives me the grace to overcome it. But if I continue to do something when I know it's wrong, then that can cause a blockage in my relationship with God as well. Now, just like you take the, t the tennis ball out, you know, you take the rebellion and you take the unforgiveness out, then all the small things, all the leaves and the twigs, the little things like anger, fear, frustration, anxiety. Some of you are saying, oh, they're really big things. Well, they are. But they're not as big as unforgiveness and rebellion. And once you remove the main blockage, the root of bitterness, then you'll find that a lot of those other things disappear as well. So, I've just lost my place here. So every day, through digestion and waste elimination, our bodies cleanse themselves of toxins. But if these poisons and blockages remain, we will eventually become sick and miserable. And so to remain mentally and physically healthy, it means that we have to rid our bodies of these poisons. In Acts 8 verse 23, it says, For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. Two things, deliberate sin and bitterness will poison you. We get bound by those things. If we want to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, physically, deal with those things. Don't walk in unforgiveness. 
Deal with the problem. Hand it over to the Lord. Help. Get his help to remove it. Bitterness is a poison. Don't hang on to it. Between 1915 and 1917, the Armenian genocide occurred. And in this period, 1.5 million Armenians were murdered by the Ottoman Turks. Millions were raped, brutalised and forcibly deported from the land that Turkey claimed as theirs. There's a story from this genocide about a Turkish officer who led a raid upon an Armenian family. They killed the parents and raped the daughters. The girls were given to the soldiers as playthings and the commanding officer kept the oldest daughter for himself. Eventually the girl was able to escape and later became a nurse. Still later, she found herself working in a ward for wounded Turkish officers. One night, under the dim glow of a lantern, she saw among her patients the man who had murdered her parents and horribly abused her and her sisters. Later, as the officer began to recover, a doctor pointed to the nurse and said to the officer, if it wasn't for this woman, you would be dead. He looked at her and after a long silence he said, why didn't you kill me? She replied, I am a follower of him who said, love your enemies. For her, Forgiveness wasn't an option. Forgiveness was a requirement. Imagine if someone is a student of a great violinist. You would assume that that student also wants to be a great violinist one day, to play that instrument skillfully. And we are all disciples of Jesus. And we are all trying to learn how best to live the life he desires of us. Jesus is the master of how to live the human life as God intends us. And the Sermon on the Mount is the radical version on how we should live this life. And um, as I said, it's, we've got one more sermon to go on, Joseph. We're going to do a couple of sermons on worship, one on what it means to be an intergenerational church, and then on, the new series is going to be on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, which is how God really wants us to live as believers in the world today. Jesus was crucified for teaching that there is another way to live, a different way than the pharisaical religion of the Jews or the brutal ways of the Roman Empire. Jesus expects us to be disciples of love who master the art of forgiveness. 
He referred to it as a narrow and difficult road, but also called it the road that leads to life. Jesus prayed for his enemies to be forgiven, even as they drove those nails into his hands. He practiced what he preached and died as a result of it. But he was vindicated by God when he conquered death and was resurrected from the dead. If the only way to respond to evil and injustice is retaliation and revenge, we join the powers of darkness and we keep this world an ugly place. Mahatma Gandhi said, An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Grace is the Christian alternative to the, reali- to the retaliation that spreads pain and leaves the whole world blind. Grace takes the blame, covers the shame, and breaks an endless cycle of revenge. Many people struggle to forgive because they've never received God's forgiveness. We can't give something that we don't possess. There's a connection between our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness of us. In Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, it says, If you forgive others the wrongs they have done to you, your Father in heaven... Sorry, I've lost my place. Your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive the wrongs that you have done. So we're asking God to forgive us in the same way that we are to forgive other people. Sometimes we struggle to believe that God has totally forgiven us. Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 8, Freely you have received from me, now freely give to others. And until we fully receive his forgiveness, we will struggle to freely give it to other people. If we believe that we have to earn our forgiveness, we'll make others earn their forgiveness as well. If we believe that we're paying for our forgiveness, we'll make other people pay also. Psalm 103 verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. God cannot look at our wrongdoings, and so he's removed them. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus became sin for us. He took our sin so that our darkness, our dirt can be taken away and we can be made the righteousness of God. When we receive the forgiveness that Jesus paid for on the cross, we are made righteous. He laid all our sin on Jesus. Now God can look at us. He can talk to us. And he can walk with us on this journey called life. We can stand before God without guilt or shame because of what Jesus did for us. We're now perfect in the eyes of God. He removed our sin 
and made us righteous. So how can we find the grace to offer forgiveness to those people who have hurt and wounded us? Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice to end that cycle of revenge and retaliation and to leave the justice in the hands of God, to allow God to be our vindicator. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, you can call the, said, the call to follow Christ means a call to share the work of forgiving people their sins. Just as God has forgiven our sins, we can help other people to forgive their sins. We forgive because we are forgiven. And we're forgiven because we forgive. The focal point of grace is where mercy triumphs over judgment. Have a look at that verse from James 2, verse 13. For God will not show mercy when he judges the person who has not been merciful. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have this cycle of retaliation. You do something bad to me, and so I do something bad to you, and you get me back again, and it goes on and on and on. But we break the cycle when we show mercy and when we forgive. So are you able to forgive others in the same way that Jesus has forgiven you? God has made a way through Jesus for every wrong to be forgiven. He has already paid the price for every sin. Will you release that person fully and freely? Will you let that issue go? When we forgive, we are gloriously set free, free of torment, free of judgment and fear. We're free to move forward into the destiny that God has planned for each of our lives. Can you truly forgive someone who's done you great wrong, even if they don't admit it? Joseph passed this test when he chose to forgive his brothers for selling him into slavery, even though they never repented of it. Let's pray. Jesus, just as you cried from the cross, Father, forgive them. We ask that you will forgive us we make a choice this morning to extend the same grace of forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. Now by faith we receive and in your name we receive this forgiveness so that we can extend it to all those who have sinned against us. We ask that by your wounds we might all be healed. We're going to move into a time of reflection and a time of communion. And so as we take the bread and the wine this morning, let's take a few moments to thank Jesus for forgiving us fully and freely. And during this time, tell Jesus who you choose to forgive. He will bring a name or names to mind. And so name the person in your prayer 
and the circumstances that he brings to mind. And ask the Lord to help you to fully release this person and this situation. Leave the justice of it all to God. At the end of the service, Helen and I and some other prayer ministry people will stay at the front and if you want prayer in this area, if you are harboring bitterness and you want prayer, if you're, you've got sickness and it could be a result of harboring unforgiveness. We all know the story of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18 where he was forgiven a million dollars and then he found someone that owed him ten dollars and he said, I want the money now. And he got put into prison until he settled that account. And so that verse says, you will be handed over to the tormentors. And sometimes we're going through torment because we've failed to forgive and we've allowed all those negative emotions to control us. So if you want release, if you want healing, there will be people here to pray with you this morning. And there will be a prayer also on the screen that may help you and guide you as you are praying and forgiving this morning. Thank you.